Welcome, everyone, to a brand new edition of Wor Learn About World Cuisine, the show that takes you around the world on a culinary tour. Let's get started. Today's show is about Egypt. Today is a very, very fascinating show. We are going to tell you all about Egypt and Egyptian food. We're going to call my co-host, who is a world traveler, and he is going to give you his personal experience in Egypt. So let's get started. The ancient Egyptians drank beer uh, because water was considered not safe. So they it was regular, uh, it was normal for them to drink beer because they were concerned about the safety of their water. So more people would drink beer than water. The left hand in Egypt is considered not clean and it cannot be used for eating. Uh, it is considered an honor to be invited over to someone's house to eat meat. That is a great honor to them. Uh, it's considered a great destination for vegetarians. Egyptian food is highly based in vegetarian items. Uh, the ancient Egyptian workers were paid in bread and beer. I want to make that clear. <clears throat> Doing the research, I found out that the pyramids were actually not uh, built by slaves they were actually built by licensed workers and they were uh, paid in food and beer uh, but uh, the the myth is that they were built by slaves and that is not true it was actually paid by actual workers they were built by actual workers and the workers were paid in bread and beer more than 6,000 restaurants have opened in Cairo since 2011. Uh, the ancient Egyptians made sure that poor people had food. So what they would do is they would make sure that all poor people had food unless there was a drought. There was, in a case of a drought, uh, they did not. But they always took care of their poor people. Egyptians have invented the 365-day calendar. So right now, when you look at your calendar, and it has 365 days, that was actually invented in ancient, ancient Egypt. Uh, e world's oldest dress was found in Egypt. It was over 5,000 years old. Greater Cairo is the largest city in the Middle East. I just told you this, but I think this is very interesting because the stories that you hear about the pyramids uh, is that they are were built by slaves. That's not true. They're actually paid laborers, and these guys were paid in food and beer. Uh, and once again, beer was drank regularly more than water, uh, due to the fact that the Egyptians were uh, concerned about the safety of the water. So beer uh, was uh, was drank uh, much more often than even water. Uh, another thing about the pyramids I found out is that you always hear about the Egyptian pyramids. But actually, Egypt does not have the largest pyramids. It's actually uh, the largest pyramids are located in Mexico. Uh, it's just that the Egyptian pyramids are much more popular. Uh, they have 5 million Facebook users in Egypt, so they're very up on technology. 
there are 5 million Facebook users. Uh, football is their most popular sport. They have the world's largest dam. Their official language is Arabic. And there is more than 3,451 hours of sun each year. Uh, 90% of Egypt is Sunni Muslim. And Cairo has been their capital for 1,000 years. Cleopatra VII, who is one of their most famous uh, Egyptians, was actually Greek. And, oh, wow, this is going to blow your mind. So if you're listening to us, we have a lot of people that are home cooks that like to listen to this show to learn about different uh, cuisine from around the world. Uh, We get feedback from a lot of people who are home cooks. And this is a very interesting, but this is an interesting fact about ancient Egypt. The first prosthetic limb was made in Egypt, and you're gonna. This is gonna blow your mind. The first prosthetic limb was made in Egypt in 710 BC. It was an artificial toe. Now think about that. They actually had limb replacements back in 710 B.C. in Egypt. I found that amazing. So once again, the show, we give you, we take you on a culinary tour around the world. I start off the show with 20 facts uh, that are researched. But the reason that our travel show is much better than all the other travel shows is because we have Peter DeFeo. You might know Peter DeFeo from The Sopranos. He was on American Gangster. Uh, He's been in over 150 films. Uh, Peter is a world traveler. So what we do is we combine the facts that I research about the country, and then Peter is called... And he gives you his real-life experience in the country. So, that, uh, uh, for instance, we did a show about British food. And how many times have you guys heard of tea time? I mean, you always hear about tea time, tea time. Uh, the kids play tea time. Peter actually gave you what actually happens in England uh, during uh, tea time. So that's a fascinating. Uh, th- that's what makes this show better. This is done from my home podcast studio, Uh, so there are mistakes. So we're going to call Peter, see if he's ready. Uh, You will hear some mistakes on this show because it's done live from my home studio. Let's see if he's ready. He might not be ready. That's the fun about doing this show from home. Good morning, Peter. We're on the air. Let's talk about Egypt. Uh, Egypt, Cairo. Uh, well, we left eventually airport to Cairo airport, which was about 1,300 miles. Um, and then it's a, like a 10-minute trip from the Cairo airport into um, um, Cairo itself, downtown Cairo. Uh, once in Cairo, the first thing we headed for was bed. We were tired by that time. Oh. Yeah, we'd been traveling a lot. Next morning, off we went to the museums. Breakfast. 
at our four-star hotel was Egyptian. Fava beans, uh, my Sicilian grandfather, who was also part Egyptian, uh, loved fava beans uh, on pita bread with virgin oil and uh, tomato sauce dipping and fresh tomatoes. Uh, we noted a bit of garlic and cooked onions and uh, the uh, um, awesome museums uh, where we had lunch. Chickpeas covered with spice, uh, spice sauce, feta bread uh, that looked like the feta bread. I'll tell you, I'll tell you and, then, and then there was a type of bread that looked like a bagel but was like 12 inches round like a pretzel. And twisted like a pretzel. Oh well. It, it had crust, uh, a hard crust outside, but inside there was a uh, a fresh tomato, you know, uh, you know, uh, also that we ate with it. The inside was soft and very, very uh, fresh tasting. Um, I don't know. I'm hearing a bird. It's not on my side. Oh, I don't uh, know. If, if you're not a museum person, then once, I recommend that you don't miss the Cairo Museum. Every exhibit is history. Oh, wow. Every exhibit. The uh, people trying to get through. Uh, Christians who try to change history. Uh, all artifacts. Oh, my God. Cairo Museum is my favorite natural history museum in the entire world and i you know i enjoy uh, you know natural history museums but the um the largest part of cairo of the city is believe it or not they call the city of the dead oh wow everybody's buried above the ground in little buildings uh these many mausoleums uh mausoleums are visited by loved ones they leave food for for their dead. Wild dogs are running everywhere, so you got to have to be very careful because they live on that food that the people leave and are attracted to that food twenty four seven. So if, if you go there, just be careful that there are wild dogs in this, in this gigantic part of Cairo. Yeah. So what what's around Cairo? Uh, so you have this city bustling. Um, antique northern African city in Egypt and surrounded by it is a desert as far as you could see it appears uh, angular rocks all over the place uh, we are told they were once a big forest that North Africa was once a big forest and that dry spell came or something God knows how many centuries ago but these rocks are petrified trees and have been broken up, and the color of everything, that you see, as far as you can see, is like a tan, grayish tan tone. Cairo sits on the Nile River, which runs brown. Uh, they, they say in the 1930s there were 28 different types of fish swimming in the Nile River. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, now there's only two types. Why well, have a state of Pennsylvania water treatment license since 1960? 
I know I know the two fish are carp and eels. And I said, they're carp and eels. How do you know that? I said, I said because the fish, the river is polluted. <laughs> it's, it's polluted as most of the waterways are. And eels and carp can live in that type of – they're bottom feeders and stuff. They can live in that type of uh, situation. I suggested that the rivers uh, reverse – that they reverse what they're doing. They said, well, we have the greatest engineer in the world, Roy F. Weston, uh, which is from uh, around Philadelphia area. Oh, I wow. said, well, I know Roy F. Weston, and everyone uses them, and that's why the whole world is polluted. Uh, they're political. They're, they're not, you know, they're, they haven't upgraded since the 1950s. Um, the, um, you should pump the sewer, instead of pumping your sewer into the rivers, where in the 1950s they believed the rivers would never run out, pump your sewer into the desert and reclaim the desert instead of destroying your water. Grow food in the desert by year 2021. They, they thought, wow, you're a genius. <laughs> no, I mean, that's common sense, I think. Right. Uh, uh, you know, but but uh, 100 years ago, in the last century, we didn't think so. We thought common sense was, oh, we can never run out of water. We can never run out of the oceans. Unfortunately, the Nile is totally polluted. It made me want to cry when okay. I saw it. Um, they, they, there were even some dead cattle, cattle in it. Uh, back to Egypt and, and artifacts. The train we took, we took a train uh, to go as far south as we could on the Nile to where the Nile began. The train looked like it was right out of an old Wild West movie. It was made out of wood. It had uh, wooden windows in it and stuff. And uh, the colors were like a gray and a, and a, 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 a reddish. Yeah, just like you would see in an old movie. They might have bought it you know, from America. They probably buy a lot of things that... We, we build new, and then when we're tired of them, we sell them to other countries. Uh, we slept on the train. It was a long train trip, and uh, we headed south on the Nile to its beginning. Uh, there's a big dam that they built there, and the dam uh, flooded a lot of the temples. They, they had to be moved to higher levels. There they built museums to house them. The uh, Luxor. All right, Luxor, the Valley of the Kings, on the other side of the Nile River, gave us an outdoor tour. King Tut's tomb uh, was what we saw, uh, was the only tomb we saw in the uh, Valley of the, of the Kings. By the way, most of the kings are buried in the Valley of the Kings, and they're just buried in the ground, uh, not, in, no, not in the pyramids. The pyramids only uh, were a handful of kings. That, that were built, that were buried in those things. We think all the kings were buried there, but there were there were hundreds of kings. Uh, no one knew King Tut existed. He must have been in his mid-teens when they killed him. And there's he, he, uh, he became a king at 15, 16 years old, and boom, uh, they killed him. And uh, they buried him immediately. Uh, grave robbers didn't get to his two-room uh, tomb. That's all the tomb is. King Tut's tomb is only two two rooms. Right. How they build it in the Valley of the Kings is they dig into the, the clay, and within a short time, same thing happens uh, in Rome, and, and within a short time, the uh, clay turns into like a rock, like a clay rock, as soon as the air hits it. And uh, they went ahead and dug out these two rooms, which 
I would say my I didn't me- I didn't have a measuring thing with me, but I would say they were probably 15 by 20 feet in each room, and uh, and there's where they put King Tut under the ground and uh, buried him over, and the uh, the ro- rob the robbers who would come in normally and steal all the gold out of these tombs as quickly as the, as the kings were buried, never knew he was there. And people were actually walking across his tomb and the opening of his tomb for centuries. Uh, somebody discovered it back in the, in the uh, 20th century, uh, King Tut's tomb, and with all these, and that's how we know how they were buried and with all everything they were buried and everything you see concerning King Tut was was saved because of that. Uh, it it, uh, it it just fantastic, uh, you know what way they buried uh, buried them. They had uh, these clay pots uh, about uh, 24 to 30 inches, and that's where they 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 got the king out all the way, everything, his heart, his spleen, his intestines, uh, you know, you name it, and they everything that's inside. They got it all out. And they stick it in these pots uh, that they hope uh, will uh, stay pure. And sometimes they put honey in them because honey never goes bad. Uh, sometimes they put some sort of, you know, water or chemicals, and uh, in case the king needs it if he, if he ever wakes up. And then they mummify them. That's how they mummify, mummified the kings. Uh, so that, that's we learned all of that uh, because King Sut's tomb was totally uh, untouched. Totally untouched. Uh, of course, we didn't want to miss this, the uh, Sphinx and the pyramids. So uh, we, uh, there where I got a camel ride and uh, went up into uh, some of the pyramids. And uh, by the way, the pyramids were built by humans. They weren't built by people from outer space. Uh, they were built by humans during that period of time who were very intelligent and who, who understood uh, math and everything else. Here's, here's how they did them. The rocks were from hundreds of miles away. They would uh, go in and they start chiseling away at the rocks uh, with the tools that they had, you know, thousands of years ago. And uh, at the end of the day, they would like drill holes through them and stuff. Uh, and they would, with bronze tools and what have you, all by hand. And they would put wooden pegs in them, and it would be in a straight line. And they put wooden pegs in them, and they would urinate on these pegs. And at night, the pegs would swell up, absorbing the water, and would crack the rock. And that's how it it would break the rock in a straight line. And that's how they, you know, crack the rocks. Now, next is, how do you move a 20-ton rock, right? Right. Oh, you get a flying saucer, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, no, no, no. Uh, they used uh, wheels as they had them, which were logs, uh, six inches to twelve inches in diameter, like telephone pole, you know. And and you would cut it into a a four foot log, you know. And they stick them underneath these rocks, and they got a whole bunch of men with a long, long pole, and pulled the rock up and slowly finally got the uh, rock on top of these 
things. In fact, they had a they had a watch that rocked it and rolled down and probably happened a few times and ran over the men. You know, uh, when it finally got rolling. Now, how do you get it from there, hundreds of miles, to where the pyramids were built? Well, easy. You build. You take reed, which grows all along the Nile when the Nile is pure, and uh, you you weave the reed and you make these uh, little uh, like boats or rafts, reed rafts, and you stick the rocks on these rafts. Well, now what do you do with them? You wait. Flood season comes. Every year, there's a flood season, and these rafts float, and so. Now the rocks are up on the water, and they're floating. And they go down the river, and there's people waiting down the river 100, 200, 300 miles away, 500 miles away. And they pull them in, sure, and they have the same thing. They, they put them on these logs and roll them. Now the pyramids were built not like we see them, you know, on an angle like that. Mm-hmm. They're built out of bricks. They make little clay bricks that they bake in the sun. And that had the same material that the King Tut's tomb was built. And they uh, take the take the bricks, and they 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 build these steps, uh, big giant like uh, uh, well, not even steps, uh, ramps that go around and around and around that gets you to the top of the pyramid. And so they then take these rocks and roll them up these ramps until they want to lay them, and then they start building it. Building it. And if you look at the pyramids in, uh, in America, South America, in Peru, and what have you, they're still that way. They never dressed them up with the uh, marble and everything that the pyramids have on the outside, those, those walls. They were put in, they're, they're put in at the end, just for cosmetic, but the pyramid itself was uh, actually a ramp going all the way up, and the rocks were just men, a lot of men. It took many, many decades to build these things, and thousands and thousands of humans uh, to do it. I'm, 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 I'm not going to say men because they might have had women in there too. Uh, God knows they had all sorts of slaves. That they, uh, well, uh, hold on, Peter. I actually I did my research, and I found out that the they were actually not slaves; they were actually real laborers, and that is why the pyramids are so skilled and incredibly built. But they were actually paid skilled laborers that were paid in food and beer. Oh, is that right? Yes. Oh, fantastic! Okay, okay, that's what. And boy, they really did a job. Yeah. Well, all with hand tools. Can you imagine? I can just, imagine. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so that, that's that was my trip to the the Nile North. The Nile's the only river in the world that, that runs north. Yes, uh, the Rock Nile in, uh, is the only river in the world that runs north, and uh, it returns. Uh, we return back from southern uh, part of the Nile, the furthest part of the Nile, on the, on the boat. Uh, the boat looked like uh, it had been uh, an old Wilson line, and it could have been. Uh, I mean, it looked so much like the Wilson line. Uh, uh, I took the Wilson line for my graduation party, uh, and uh, they might have sold it, you know, to the uh, to the 
that company. The food on the uh, on the boat uh, left a lot to be desired. It was uh, a minimum amount of uh, selection, and uh, it, it wasn't kept very well. Uh, there's too much to cover in Egypt, you know, about Egypt, and and just in this thing here. Now, let's talk about crocodile worship. Okay, when, I, when we were going up and down the Nile, there was actually places where there was crocodile worship. And I think it was the Romans who did the crocodile worshiping. Uh, and they built these uh, tombs and stuff, buried crocodiles and, and worshiped the cro- crocodiles in the rivers. Um, the, um, you know, the, the Romans tried to make Egypt uh, Roman. And they actually uh, took some of their uh, buildings and they put Romans where uh, uh, they like to put fancy decorations on the pillars and, and on the stuff. So the Romans dug that in there. Uh, when the Romans finally uh, left, uh, the Christians came in and the Christians wanted to bury everything. They turned everything down, the face down into the dirt. Uh, they, they tried to bury all that history. Uh, from the beginning of time, uh, which, of course, they did for a period of time. Um, surrounding the city, um, I mean, it, it, is, it is just, uh, you know, it, it, it is, it is um, it's something that everyone should get to see once in their lifetime. And uh, as far as the food is concerned, realize the food is going to be spicy. It's going to be, it's going to be rice to pasta based with based with beans uh, North Africa base food like in North Africa uh, you go from Raqqa to the far east you start out with noodles and and big couscous and by the time you get to the far east you're into rice they get, they get smaller the couscous gets smaller and smaller and then they're eating rice Egypt is in the middle and it's also across from Sicily and Italy, it's on the Mediterranean. Uh, so they have a mixture of all of that in their food. You, you see influences from everybody uh, because of that. And Peter, you're a vegetarian, and the research I've done has said uh, Egypt is the perfect spot for vegetarians. And in fact, if you are invited over someone's house and they serve meat, it's considered an honor. Well, the uh, yeah, they did have a bit of chicken, uh, but I didn't see any cows. But I'm saying their diet is highly vegetarian. Oh yes, yes, everything was uh, couscous, uh, pasta, spices, uh, rice, you know that sort of thing, um, tomato. Uh, they put uh, like uh, little. Uh, green things on the top of the food to decorate them and what have you parsley you know um it it was it was very vegetarian Uh, pretty much like we uh, ate over at the uh, like the indians have also right we we ate over at samoyas okay now let's get down to basics because i love the idea that you have been there What's it like in egypt do you you walk the streets is there anything different in egypt that you uh that stood out to you? Yeah, there were a couple of things. I had, I, uh, my first time there, I was with uh, Kim Cassell. Uh, she's the mother of my youngest child. 
and uh, Kim is had to be. It's like she looks like Kim Basinger wanted to look like. Uh, she was a Swedish and American Indian mix, and she had she was born a toe hair, and she had uh, light eyebrows and light blue eyes, and she was adorable. Bow lips, you know, large bow lips. I mean, she was just really adorable. Um, there was this guy on a white horse uh, in, in gold trim trying, trying to steal her from me. Everywhere we went, he was riding around us and stuff. It, it got uh, a little uncomfortable uh, after a while. He, he looked like he was more her age in his 20s, probably maybe 30 to most. Uh, the people on the street in the markets, uh, they didn't seem to like us. Uh, I I don't know, you know, what their philosophy is, but they could see we were Americans, and they did not uh, yeah, like us. They would look at us funny when walking by and stuff. So, uh, I mean, I I uh, I find walking in the streets and uh, in, in the common places was uncomfortable. I, I didn't. Uh, I, I we didn't. You know, it wasn't like. Uh, Tokyo or, or some other places. Um, this this uh, this was very very uncomfortable. Um, the people were rude, and uh, okay. But what about the food, Peter? Peter, uh, was the restaurants? Are there restaurants? Are there outdoor vendors? How are how is it set up with uh, restaurant uh, food? Oh yeah, there's there's restaurants. They have uh, Indian restaurants. They have Italian restaurants. They have uh, a lot of Egyptian restaurants. Uh, but most of the restaurants specialize in a special type of food from a different country. Uh, there's vendors, and the vendors, of course, sell those uh, 12-inch um, pretzel-type things that look like bagels and very soft and sweet inside. Uh, they sell the beans, the fave beans, with tomato sauce on them. Uh, and there's people selling stuff all over the place. Uh, in the markets, of course, you could buy the raw food just like you could in, in the Italian market in Philadelphia or any mining market that you go to. Uh, but I recommend keeping away from them. Oh, here's something I forgot to tell you. Never, ever pay the price they ask. Oh, okay. Everything's negotiable. And I mean really negotiable. Like, they might ask for ten dollars when it's only, you know, dollar. Uh, I mean, you have to know what you're buying, and you have to know what the values are. Now, now I'm getting the the uh, information I'm I'm hearing from that is they'll overprice stuff, but you can negotiate it down. Is that right? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Wow. As soon as they can see who you are, you know, they, they see you're a foreigner. Well, you, you know, had, had it cost you a lot of money to get there. They want to share some of that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, never, ever, they think you're stupid. If you pay the price they ask, they think you are absolutely dumb and stupid and, and uh, uneducated. And that is why this is the best travel show on the planet, because you can listen to all, all the other travel shows and you're not getting information like that. That is fantastic information. Uh, Peter, we're on. Uh, we promised our listeners that we would make the shows 30 to 40 minutes. 
We're on minute number 31. What do you really want to tell everyone about uh, Egypt? Don't miss it if you go there. The Cairo Museum is the best natural history museum in the world. Enjoy it. And, Peter, let's tell everyone uh, we have increased in listeners by 70% over the last four weeks. So promote yourself because you do such a good job. People love you. People love your stories. Let's talk about Peter DeFeo. Tell everyone. Uh, well, uh, look me up. Uh, you know, go on the net and put my name in there. And uh, I'm all the Peter DeFeos except the mob boss. <laughs> so enjoy and uh, have a nice day. Thank well, you. Wait, give your tags, uh, numbers and all that. Um, well, the, the, it's all on the net. They could go on the net and, and, uh, and come up with it. Uh, I, I'm stopped giving my numbers because too many people are calling me. Oh, get out. <laughs> so, uh, I like to help people. But you could find, if, if you want, you could, you could find me. So uh, very nice sharing Egypt with you. Yeah. Do you have any more information about Egypt? It's just that people are loving our 30 to 40-minute shows. Is there anything else you want to tell people about Egypt? Uh, oh God! Don't know where to stop. You can't stop. Right. I mean, it's it's just it's some it's different than any other place. Um, you know, uh, you could buy the food, you know, Egyptian food in America and other places that people you know reproduce it. Uh, but the museums and the history and uh, the knowledge uh, is to be there and to see it yourself instead of seeing it in a Hollywood movie is something you should do if if you have the money and time to do it. Okay, I got it. Okay, Peter, thank you so much. Another great job. Thank you. And we promised our listeners that we would try to make the shows 30 to 40 minutes. So that's why I didn't mean to rush them off, but I wanted to uh, make sure we kept our promise. Uh, Peter DeFeo is a world traveler. So he gives you his real-life experience every week, and he just did a great job. So we're entering 34 minutes. I'm going to end the show with just 20 more facts. Uh, The Nile River is the world's longest river. The largest Arabic population in the world is in Egypt. Both Oh, here's a neat thing. Back in uh, ancient times, both men and women loved makeup. They used makeup, believe it or not, in ancient Egypt. They considered cats to be sacred. Uh, they kept oh they kept such good flood records for the Nile River that they are still used today. So the ancient Egyptians uh, used flood records to the point where they are still used today. Egypt gave equal rights to both men and women years ago. First nation to invent the home pregnancy test. How about that? You would never think. Uh, They invented papers, pens, locks, and keys. Uh, Both men and women wore wigs in ancient Egypt. And I want to clarify this. It was so hot that they would shave their head and they would wear wigs, both men and women. Uh, It's the oldest nation on earth, one of the driest places on earth. Uh, The ancient Egyptian pharaoh... Oh, ancient Egyptian pharaohs, some of them had their servants buried with them uh, because they believed in the afterlife to serve them in the afterlife. 
Uh, ancient Egyptians used cologne. And one of the colognes that were used many, many uh, years ago in ancient Egypt is similar to Old Spice. Uh, they usually shaved off all of their body hair. Uh, I told you earlier, beer played a very important role in ancient Egypt. This is about ancient Egypt, just to clarify. The tradition of wedding rings go back to ancient Egypt. Uh, ancient Egypt, ancient Egyptians feared and hated hippos. <laughs> Most of the pharaohs were actually very obese. And legumes are used often in Egyptian cooking. That was our show about Egypt. Uh, we promise you every single week that we will keep the shows no longer than 40 minutes uh, because after reviewing our analytics, I noticed that you guys love uh, 30 to 40-minute shows. So we're, we're getting into our 37th minute. So let's wrap up the show. I want to thank our great listeners in India. Uh, the growth of the show is up like 60 to 70% over the last four weeks, uh, the listener count. And a lot of those listeners are coming from India. So I want to thank India uh, for their great support of the show. Uh, next week, now, if you have listened to the show before and you have heard sound errors, that is because it's done from my home podcast studio. Uh, those errors are because of our phone connection. I want to make sure everyone knows we're not going to have that issue. Uh, starting next Friday, uh, I will be meeting up with Peter, and we will be doing the show together at our local library. So starting next week, we'll be back. We were doing the phone interviews due to COVID, uh, but now that... Uh, it, it, the libraries are back opened. Uh, we are going to start doing the show together uh, once again. So that means the sound uh, will be perfect. Uh, the only sound issues we had on the show were because of the phone uh, interviews. And if you have listened to the show before, you heard a couple of errors, uh, that will be eliminated next Friday because we're going to do it in person. So each one of my microphones are the very best that you can purchase. So next week, we will have a perfect-sounding episode. Uh, once again, Egypt, I think the thing that uh, makes our show better than all other travel shows is that Peter told you that when you go to Egypt, you can negotiate the price. You will never hear that on another show because it's not on Wikipedia. It's not going to be on any of the research you do on the Internet. Uh, Peter told you that because he's been there. So that is what makes our show better than the other travel shows. Uh, the fact that Peter has actually been to the country. I told you earlier, uh, our England show, our British food show, I heard about tea time my entire life. But I didn't know really what it was. And Peter gives you details in our British episode, British food, uh, about tea time. What's it really like in England? Uh, same thing today. When you go to Egypt, because Peter was there, he told you that you can negotiate the pricing. So if you're in Egypt and it's $10, you can negotiate it down to one. All right. We're, I promised everyone that we will keep all the shows at 40 minutes. We have 30 seconds left. So I want to thank everyone 
go to your favorite uh, go to Google. And if you go to Google and put in Learn About World Cuisine Podcast with the word podcast, uh, you'll see where we are available. I personally listen to the show on Amazon Music, and I listen to it on iHeartRadio. Uh, so I would recommend those two platforms, but we're all over uh, all podca- podcast platforms. Once again, next week, we're doing Haiti, and we will be together in, in uh, home studio, uh, which means that the sound is going to be perfect from beginning to end. Uh, so I hope you join us. So if you enjoyed our Egypt show, give us an email, diningonadime at yahoo.com. Thank everyone for listening, and we'll see you next week.